welcome to this episode of Irreligiosity, the one true podcast, and the only podcast to call all other podcasts PTSs. <laughs> and if you don't know what that means, that's good. That's how it should be. That Then you're probably an SP. We will declare you an SP. Yes, because if you're an SP, then you instantly move to the PTSs in a very short amount of time. Well, yeah, and you've obviously been ignoring your KSWs. <laughs> and if we throw out any more acronyms, I'm going to kick somebody's ass. <laughs> <laughs> so this one, this episode is on all about Scientology, including our personal experiences at an actual Church of Scientology. I think it's a privilege to call yourself a Scientologist, and it's something that you have to earn. And because a Scientologist does, he or she has the ability to create new and better realities and improve conditions. Uh, being a Scientologist, you look at someone and you know absolutely that you can help them. Yes, now this is actually the reason why we had to push off Scientology for a week, is because uh, we were in the process of getting ready to record, and we discovered that there was a Scientology center right up the street from us. So uh, I set up an appointment, we went up, and uh, we had ourselves a face-to-face -face with Scientology. But before we get to that, let's get to the Mims Carter Skunk Tick of the Week, sponsored by The Bacon Gospels, available at lulu.com. Now, I expect you to read me some of that good taste and shit. Oh, yeah, we should probably read my favorite uh, scripture out of the Bacon Gospels. Let me set this up for you. All right. It's two days after the luau of the annual pig roast, and of all new slop, and the chief farmers of the gammon sought how they would take him by craft and put him to expiration. So they're trying to sneak up to ham, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they squealed not on the luau day, lest there be an uproar of the meat. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, there came a sow having an alabaster box of ointment uh, that was very precious and she broke the box and poured it on his hog's head and there were some that had indignation within themselves and squealed why was this waste of the ointment made for it may have, might have sold for more than 300 kernels and given to the runts and they murmured against her and Ham squealed let her alone why trouble ye she hath wrought a nutritious work on me for ye have the runts with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them nutritious. But me ye have not always. Wasn't that beautiful? I'm just wondering, were there pork rinds at that luau? <laughs> 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 An even better question. Uh, how many weeks have we done these uh, bacon gospels? I have no idea. I could have sworn he only paid for four, but I think we're going on like <laughs> months of just advertising for this guy. Well, uh... Math has never been our strong suit. Yes, yes, neither has been paying attention to what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to the skunk dick candidates themselves. The first skunk dick candidate for this week is the Pope, Pope Benedict. I'm actually surprised that Pope Benedict has not made an appearance on the skunk dick so far. This is his first appearance. Well, he's been quietly hiding in the shadows. However, uh, inviting atheists to the Vatican for an outreach initiative, uh, that's pretty skunk dickishness. In fact, I, I think I can smell it from here. The Pontifical Council for Culture has announced that it is creating a foundation to focus on relations with atheists and agnostics. The president of the council announced the initiative on Wednesday as a response to Pope Benedict's call to, quote, renew dialogue with men and women who don't believe but want to move towards God. <laughs> 
Are you sure this isn't the pontificating council? I had to check the date. It's not April 1st. This is ridiculous. Do you know any atheist who, after the gut-wrenching process of uh, tearing themselves away from religion, wants to move toward God? Well, I hear extricating oneself from religion and your family beliefs is actually a very simple process, so making the switch back and forth is very easy, and so I can see why atheists would just kind of waffle between the two. Yeah, the Pope seems to think that we're all, all us atheists are just kind of mad at God. We're just upset with God. <laughs> we want to believe. We want to move towards God. And and thank God there's this council. You know, that's the big problem is I have been wanting to move towards God for a very long time. I just couldn't find the means to do so. Right, there just wasn't a Pope's council to do it. Now we got it. So I'm probably going to not be an atheist next week. Yeah, in fact, uh, I'll be attending this council, and I will not make fun of anybody there. (laughs) (laughs) Who else we got? Who else is a skunk dick this week? All right, well, uh, my big skunk dick to the table is uh, actually coming from Merseyside, which is in uh, England. And the biggest problem I have with this is there are racist bus drivers out there, and they're driving past little schoolgirls who are wearing traditional hijabs. They are basic, or these bus drivers are there specifically to pick up these school children and bring them to their school. But when they see these little girls wearing the traditional Muslim dress with veils, they drive right by. So these little girls who uh, clearly are wearing the veils because uh, they truly believe in their religion, not because their parents are forcing them to wear the veil, not because their parents dress them up. Yeah. Uh, but because they truly believe in this religion. And and this is uh, apparently offensive to these asshole bus drivers, so offensive that they think it's um, perfectly uh, okay to just keep on driving and leave these poor girls standing at the side of the road without a ride to school. Yeah, yeah, because it's awful nice when you have a busload of children and you are showing them that it's all right to be racist and to discriminate as you drive by and probably laugh point, you know. That's completely all right to teach children. I'm not sure it's racism so much as uh, dick Christians exhibiting <laughs> dick Christian behavior. Well, General I'm not going huh? to pick up that Muslim. <laughs> I don't want that little schoolgirl with a headscarf on my bus. Yeah, we can't have them talking to our children. Maybe our children would start throwing around jihad. Are you sure this wasn't Merseyside, Alabama? (laughs) No, no, I would like to point out that racism and stupidity is worldwide, although Alabama does take the cake most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of which, um, we have the Shepherd's Hill Farm. Of Martin, Georgia. Yeah, I don't think we should cover this one. Which I believe is um, in the general vicinity of Alabama. Well, they have chapters in Colorado, Illinois, Iowa, Kentucky, New York, Washington, and Wisconsin, so they're circling Alabama. They're just trying to find a way to break in. And possibly Sweden. (laughs) Well, you'd have to point Sweden out on a map first. (laughs) So, the Shepherd's Hill Farm is a um, Christian boarding school. If your teen is troubled, 
um, or fat. <laughs> uh, send them here, and they'll get a good Christian education. Um, and uh, they have a fine uh, medical staff there as well that can take care of all kinds of diseases, and they're thoroughly schooled in counseling. It's yeah. amazing. As I understand, if you have epilepsy, they take away your medicine, and then when you're having a seizure, they pin you down and they pray the seizure out of you. Yeah, they pray the demon right out of you um, as the kid's foaming at the mouth, <laughs> seizing. <laughs> you know... I've actually seen this up at the U of U Primary Children's Hospital. They have an entire wing set aside for pinning down children and praying the demons out of them. Yeah, um, here's one of my favorite quotes. One day at the farm, <laughs> after the guy finishes preaching, I raised my hand and I said, You are brainwashing us. The guy smiled at me and replied, Yes, we are. We are brainwashing you in the blood of the Lamb. That that can't be a real quote. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Apparently on his podcast, he repeated it. If you download the podcast for November 19th, he says um, that he's brainwashing kids in the blood of Jesus. Isn't that nice? Holy mother of God. This is and just imbecilic. Like I mentioned, if they're overweight, um, they, they'll take care of that, too. They put you on what's called a special diet of, uh, like, beets and a can of beans a day. <laughs> uh uh, and it's essentially a punishment, right? Because it, it tastes so bad. This kid was put on a special diet for something like a month and a half, and he was punished then for eating toothpaste because he was so hungry. <laughs> I think we're feeding our Thai children too much if this is a punishment. They said that one boy by the name of Bobby, he was is almost always on these special meals, and he looked like a skeleton. He would uh, get caught stealing food or snacks out of the kitchen, right, because he's so hungry. And then yeah. he'd be punished again and given more special meals. Well, these genius Christians uh, one day put Bobby in this room, and they placed candy bars all around him in a circle, said, we're going to be back for two in two hours, and we know how many candy bars are there. Uh, and if uh, any of these are missing, you'll be sorry. Well, of course, several candy bars are missing, and uh, the kid was taken out and beaten and uh, given more special meals. It seems like just a wonderful world of, of Christian love. You know, the warmth I feel with that candy bar circle, I don't think I would be able to resist the hugs and the beatings that follow eating those candy bars. And quite possibly the most horrific punishment of all is their science education where they force the child <laughs> to sit down and watch Kent Hovind videos. I am certain that's a that that violates the Geneva Convention. Well, you know, I think they've actually done some studies on this, and they've found that it comes close to violating. But because they aren't forcing them to read Kent Hovind's dissertation, it doesn't cross the line. It is at least cruel and unusual punishment, more so than eating a can of beans and, and beets each day. <laughs> Have you ever seen your teeth after you eat beets? Now that, listen, that's punishment. You can send your kid to get paddled, beat the shit out of, have seizures while they pray uh, the devil out of you, eat these special meals. It only costs you sixty grand a year. I think that is generous of them. Holy mother of God, Charlie. We we do that to Thai children for free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we need to start charging Christians half that to take their children and have them write jokes for us, and we can promise that only half the Christians will die. We'll yes. we'll make sure half of them live. We are missing out here. We're just having them write jokes for our podcast. We should be charging these um, Thai families 
$60,000 a year for us to starve their children. Do you really think if these families had $60,000, they would be able to give us their children for free? <laughs> Don't you think they'd pay for a little bit of a better life than writing jokes for irreligiosity? No, because we're Christian, damn it. <laughs> and damn proud of it. So those are the three candidates. We got the Pope, racist or um, discriminatory bus drivers against little girls who can't fight back. And uh, the Shepherd's Hill Farm, what do you think? Well, definitely not the Shepherd's Hill Farm. That that plays too closely to our Thai children. So I'm going to have to go with the racist bus drivers. <laughs> it's kind of hard to uh, uh, disparage the Shepherd's Hill Farm, except for the Kent Hovind videos. We do not subject yeah. our Thai children to Kent Hovind videos. All right, we are not that cruel. We may beat them, we may limits. starve them, and they may die, but they never, ever have to be dealt with Kent Hovind. We have limits to our cruelty. I'm going with the Pope, because it's his first appearance on the podcast, and just for general dickishness, the Pope wins, hands down. Uh, that's true, but I I'm still going with the racist bus drivers. You assholes need to get your asses kicked. All right, let's feed it into the computer. Stand by. Analysis verified. Holy shit, Tom Cruise won. Um, when was Tom Cruise in there? Is is he part <laughs> of the Shepherd's Hill? <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? Tom Cruise. That's a good choice, though, actually. So for me, it really is KSW, and it's just like, it's, it's something that uh, I don't mince words with that, you know, with, with anything that LRH does, but that policy to me has really gone, boy. And I, 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 there's a time I went through and I said, you know what, when I read it, I, you know, I just went, this is it, this is exactly it. Yes, yes, for general dickishness, uh, I believe Tom Cruise wins it. In fact, uh, just for his behavior on Oprah, when he was jumping up and down screaming about how much he loved Katie Holmes, yeah, that deserves a skunk dick right there, man. Yeah, he, he is 100% insane. Yeah. All right, shall we get to Scientology? Please do. Let's Let's end this pain. All right, so briefly, this is going to be a little more brief than our, our regular ones because we have a personal experience to go over. We actually yes. visited the Church of Scientology. So let's give a, a brief history of the Church of Scientology. Leighton? Well, let's see. Founded by Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Who? Hubbard, L-R-H. I left that out for fun. Th this guy was born early 1900s. 1911, um, actually. 1911, he... Uh, apparently was adopted into a Black Eagle tribe of Native Americans at age six. I halfway wonder if that's just propaganda. And again, I don't know how much of this is true because they're probably getting this stuff from uh, L. Ron Hubbard's own personal autobiography, so right? Yeah. And L. Ron Hubbard has a very loose association with the truth. His relationship with the truth is not... Um, Let's just say he's committed adultery on the truth several times. <laughs> <laughs> are you commit? Are you kidding me? He's as bad as the polygamist. He's got the truth and a hundred other wives to go along with it. <laughs> so um, he was actually a fairly successful science fiction writer in the 30s and 40s. Um, not only under his own name, but apparently under several different pen names. A prolific writer, uh, and continued wow. that after doing Scientology and Dianetics. 
Actually, here's uh, here's something that I always found was funny is you mentioned his pen names. Well, he would actually write several science fiction stories, and then he would have a different pen name for each, publish them in a magazine, so people would think they were reading all these different authors' stories, but they would really be his just underneath different pen names. Right, they're all, the whole magazine's L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, well, you, you exactly. gotta eat during the Great Depression, right? You gotta eat. <laughs> At least the guy's typing away and working. Yeah. Um, so he he fought in World War II. Um, yep. Claims that he apparently had this distinguished wartime naval career, um, but uh, he actually never saw combat. And he. <laughs> Are you kidding? <coughs> no. Oh, never, that's never. funny because uh, you remember that video we watched on him, where it talks about how he came up with the the entire concept of engrams and Scientology was because during his distinguished war career he was injured and while he was in the hospital with all these other injured patients he began to notice that they were just healing the body and not paying attention to the mind again very very loose relationship with the truth <laughs> never saw combat so if he was injured it was more likely a like a worker's comp, comp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it twisted his ankle or something interestingly enough given his, his later hatred for psychiatry um, he left and petitioned the Veterans Administration for psychiatric care Yeah, that may have maybe they told him look Elron you're freaking insane <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing we can do for you listen you're insane um, Here's so that, uh, a noose. Go take care of the problem. <laughs> so may, my guess is something like that happened and pissed him off towards psychiatry because he really, really does not like psychiatrists. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Considering the types of methods, which we'll get into later, it, it's surprising how much he shadows psychiatry. Well, yeah. Um, I think his hope was to be the next Freud, but that didn't, that didn't really work. Um, according to that video we watched, he traveled around the world, you know, um, saw a bunch of uh, different countries and learned a lot of wisdom from them and then kind of consolidated this wisdom into, you know, massive amounts of research on his own because he didn't think that any of these countries really understood the mind. Yes, yes. He He basically, as according to this video, basically saw that... Each of these religions and, and each of these societies had ancient truths in them, and he sought to combine all of these truths into one enlightening Scientology religion. Uh, well, first he came up with Dianetics. In, which was just retarded. <laughs> in uh, 1950, he puts all together the, all these philosophies. That, the, the video kept calling it research, but I didn't ever hear of L. Ron Hubbard doing any research whatsoever. He's just pulling shit out of his ass. I mean, that, that's basically what Freud did, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> now, shit out of his ass. Hubbard actually claims that everything he teaches and taught is and incorporated into Scientology are scientific facts, right. but he never provides any scientific evidence to support any of his claims. As a matter of fact, the book Dianetics, the, the subtitle for that was The Modern Science of Mental Health. So what Dianetics proposed was that um, we all have these um, past uh, experiences that are really painful for us to recall. Yes. And um, what what you do is you'd recall these past experiences, things that, that caused you pain. You would face them, uh, and you would erase their negative effects, and they would be gone, these past painful experiences. This is what pre-clears do until you're clear of all of these um 
painful psychological traumatic experiences. Now this auditor kind of takes you through all these questions just like a Freudian analyst would until you know you're you're cured. Interestingly enough, the analyst takes notes during this time, the auditor takes notes and this stuff is kept on file because in certain cases uh they have used these things f that they've found in auditing sessions to blackmail the the supposed patient to stay in Scientology. I'm not surprised in the least. In fact, the entire concept of these this is just a crackpot at best. He calls them engrams, and his way of defining it is a definite and permanent trace left by a stimulus on the protoplasm of a tissue. So basically, these engrams are recordings made in our brain on the cellular level during times of physical or emotional stress. Now, uh, he points out these aren't active memories but uh, they do negatively impact us and he says I love this most of our engrams are acquired in the womb which is an unpleasant place because it is wet uncomfortable and unprotected now it's interesting that you bring that up because while you were getting your little personality test grade I was looking <laughs> over the testimonials in the Scientology church oh, and yeah. hanging up front and center was this lady's testimonial about how she was suffering from neck and upper back pain for her whole life. And it turns out that it was because while she was in the womb, her father um, beat her mother and bit her stomach, and that caused the pain. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Her father was beating her mother, and yeah. then he just decided he was hungry and wanted a little baby for dinner? I, I guess he, he bit the stomach, and that pinched this lady's nerve while she was in the womb. And she had pain all the way up until she got audited, and then the pain went away because she understood where it came from. Okay, just biologically speaking, does she understand how many layers are between her neck and this man's teeth? I find it fascinating these guys can remember this because the brain is not fully formed. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why our memories start, you know, when we're around three or four. <laughs> uh, holy mother but okay. of Christ. Um, I'm glad she uh, she found that out in the womb. That was well, that's good. It's just amazing to me that they think that uh, by facing these engrams, it can cure arthritis, bursitis, asthma, allergies, yeah. sinusitis, coronary trouble, high blood pressure, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. everything stems from these engrams. Everything. It's, it's beautiful. So Hubbard uh, publishes this Dianetics, right? And he's thinking that the medical uh, field and the field of psychology will jump on this stuff. You know, uh, you know like nothing had changed since Freud, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, now, actually in the, testing things. Right, in the 50s you got research protocols. So immediately the American Medical Association and the American Psychological Association made statements saying uh this isn't um this isn't based on any research that we can find. Well, what are his protocols? What what's the evidence? Uh so we don't we don't want any any of our members here, no doctors, no psychiatrists, no psychologists, no counselors using these techniques unless you guys want to experiment and see if you can carry out the experiments and see if you get any evidence. Well, what does he do? He, you know, he, he uh, takes his case to the public and the book becomes a bestseller. As a matter of fact, I, I remember asking my dad about the book because I actually read Battlefield Earth by L. Ron Hubbard. Mm -hmm. um, 
I thought it was a decent book at the time. When I watched the movie, I thought, oh, my God, was I this stupid as a kid <laughs> that I like this crap? Uh, but next to that was the Dianetics book, and so I asked him about it, and they said, oh, that's kind of a, a book I bought because I liked L. Ron Hubbard, but uh, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> and see, uh, it's funny because I remember reading uh, Battlefield Earth as a kid as well. And just like you, I thought, man, this is kick-ass. This, uh, this guy basically uh, tricks and, and wins out on the aliens. And what this seems to me, this entire process is... Here he is getting all sorts of full of himself because he's becoming this popular science fiction writer. And so he thinks, hmm, well, it's awful easy just to throw out my thoughts in science. And then he finds out that the scientific community isn't as easygoing as his readers. Now keep in mind, um, the Scientologists will represent that L. Ron Hubbard is his genius and, and he did really well in college and some of them will claim that he was a nuclear physicist. He essentially failed out of college. He has no college degree. Um, so really he has no real engagement with science other than you know maybe any reading that he's done and that's actually fairly obvious if you read his science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Remember in Battlefield Earth where that guy suddenly knew how to fly like an F-16? <laughs> oh god, that annoyed the hell out of me, even as a kid, because I'm sitting there going, oh, no "Where in learning all of this alien and you know technology sort of thing? No, no did you these figure guys, out how to drive a an F-16? These guys don't, you know, train their entire lives. It's not massively complicated. You can just kind of sit in there and fiddle with the dials and learn how to not only fly it but land it and fire all the missiles that are on it. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Anyway. Hmm, let's see. Rudder control. Wow, that's easy to master. <laughs> These primitive people are mastering pitch and yaw in an F-16. Oh, God. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so, uh, the, you know, it, it's on the bestseller list, I think, for like 26 weeks. It was a really, um, people, the public anyway, ate it up. They loved it. So he's kind of getting crazier and crazier. Being a Scientologist, when you drive past an accident... It's not like anyone else. As you drive past, you know you have to do something about it because you know you're the only one that can really help. And as they're kind of pushing back and back and back, some of these patients start claiming to have um, prior life engrams that they need to purge, and Hubbard jumps right on it. And that kind of caused the first split between him and some of his closest followers because they're saying, look, you're just trying to be a science, right? There's no evidence for past lives. You're, yeah. you're looking like, uh, you're making us look like quacks here. We are the authorities on getting people off drugs. We are the authorities on the mind. We are the authorities on improving conditions. Criminon, we can rehabilitate criminals. Way to happiness, we can bring peace uh, and unite cultures. Uh, that once you know these tools and you know that they work, it's it's not good enough that, that I'm just doing okay. So um, he actually loses control of Dianetics by 1952, and so what does he do? He then moves away from science and establishes a religion. <laughs> well, see, and it's great that you bring this up. We'll actually get into this more, but there have always been allegations that Hubbard would make comments to people about how uh, writing science fiction isn't... He, he's sick and tired of making pennies on the word, and that the real money is in religion. 
And he's yeah. right. I mean, look at Mormons. Same thing. Pay 10% of your income. What product are you offering? Yeah, exactly. And and the funny thing is, is as we'll get into later, they actually discovered a uh, a letter <laughs> sent wherein he basically states this, sent to a woman by the name of Helen. But we'll, we'll get into that later. Right. So what does he do? He says, well, I can't have Dianetics, so I'll... I'll found a religion. I'll found Scientology. It is the time now. Now is the time, okay? It is being a Scientologist, people are turning to you, so you better know it. You better know it. And if you don't, you know, go and learn it, you know? But don't pretend you know it and, or, for, you know, whatever. It's like, we're here to help. And he bases this on this um, galvanic kind of skin current detector machine that's kind of a type yeah. of a lie detector, I guess. It measures the galvanic skin response and the fluctuation in resistance, yeah. which is supposedly tells you when you're telling a lie or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Basically, what it is, is it's a machine that runs an electrical current through your body, and your body basically becomes a resistor in that series circuit. And so, uh, because your body isn't a stable resistor, it changes. And uh, so, using this is his way of uh, finding out if you are coming to terms with your engrams, your issues right. that you have. Now, Scientologists will tell you, as they told us in the video, that Hubbard invented it. He didn't. Uh, it was a friend of his uh, that he... Um, I think tinkered with the design a little bit, uh, got the patent for it, and uh, his friend was bitter about it, but never really pursued uh, a lawsuit against him. <laughs> well, if you uh, find out about what Scientology thought about people who talked about or against them, I can understand why he would refrain. <laughs> right. So um, this is called an e-meter, what he uses, and basically the e-meter tracks your progress about how well you're doing um, with the uh, getting rid of these engrams or body thetans or whatever they are. Yeah. Um, it's amazing how not a whole lot of people will follow it if it's science because you know you can. It's hard to read. Science is is um, out of the just uh, of the general population, and it's easily dismissed because there's no evidence. But you call it a religion, <laughs> it becomes very popular. <laughs> well, that's because religion is based on feelings, not intellect. You can, right. uh, I mean, you can throw out these big words and people will actually have to look them up. That is far more difficult than somebody saying, well, hey, you know those memories you have? Well, those are just on the cellular level, and what's inside of you is what is known as a thetan, or an immortal soul which travels from body to body, life to life, and it's discovering what happened to us by watching these little pictures in our brain. Yeah, right. let's get let's let's get into this. This is um, Dianetics supposedly was um, based on the body, and Scientology is based on the soul. So the the soul, um, this is great. If you've watched that South Park episode about Scientology. Um, they're telling this story, and they'll flash uh, in the center of the screen, this is what Scientologists actually believe. <laughs> as, if, as if to say, I'm not shitting. I shit you not. It's pretty bad when South Park doesn't have to come up with their own jokes. They just have to tell your belief system, and that's the yeah. joke. 
Right. It's the same with the Mormon episode. Yeah. Anyway, what we're about to tell you um, is only really cleared for if, if you're an operating Thetan level three of Scientology. If it's revealed to people before then, it could make them sick with things like pneumonia. So I'm going to warn all of our listeners, uh, if you don't want to get sick, uh, don't you listen to the next five listening. minutes. Yeah. Yes. So 75 million years ago, there was a galactic overpopulation problem in the Galactic Empire. And uh, Lord Xenu, a galactic conqueror, uh, had the solution. Uh, and gathered up a bunch of aliens and um, shipped them over to Earth in these rocket ships that looked uh, almost exactly like, what was it, um, DC-19s or something like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly like World War II planes, essentially, but with rocket engines. So L. Ron Hubbard isn't even being very imaginative here. <laughs> it's horrible. You've read his books. You understand how imaginative he is. <laughs> so all these aliens are shipped over to the planet Earth. They're secured onto the edge of the volcano. The DC-19 ships drop a bunch of nuclear hydrogen bombs into the volcano, resulting in a massive explosion, which then um, threw all of the souls of these poor aliens into the air. But Xenu knew it wouldn't kill them. So he he had uh, soul-collecting machines. <laughs> Mother I shit of you not. God. Soul-collecting machines... He captured all of the floating Thetans and subjected them to a bunch of propaganda and then set them free. This was 75 million years ago. Um, I am stunned. <laughs> um, how can... What is their evidence for this? L. Ron Hubbard. He said oh. it. I believe it. And that's the end of the argument. Oh, God. We... I think we need Sean on this episode. He should really respect these beliefs. <laughs> there is no... Obviously, there is no independent evidence. How in the fuck are we supposed to know what happened 75 million years ago? Yeah. Uh, so there's... Uh, anyway, these these Thetans are, are floating around. They're called body Thetans, and they'll attach to your body and cause negative thoughts. And so Scientology is trying to get rid of these body Thetans. And when you get up to the higher level, apparently your body is made of thetans. <laughs> so eventually you purge all these uh, thetans and you get you know, control over mist, which is material or matter, energy, space, and time. You get these superpowers. You become an operating thetan. I'd like to see some of this demonstrated. You know, Surely there has to be one operating thetan in the Scientology organization. Well, no. Once you become an operating thetan... Uh, Haley's Comet flies up your ass and you're sent back 75 million years to do the process all over again. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that, that makes sense. Um, so Hubbard, uh, in 1952, he goes to Phoenix, Arizona. He establishes this headquarters. He awards himself the degree of D.SCN, which is Doctor of Scientology. <laughs> and incorporates the Hubbard Association of Scientologists International under the personal control of himself and his wife. Um, I would like to prescribe myself uh, D-I-R for Doctor of Irreligiosophy. <laughs> P-H-D-I-R. How about that? Uh, I like that, but uh, there should be an A-S-S-H-O-L-E attached to ours because that's what we're talking about. ASS dot hole. Um, <laughs> I like that. 
he eventually did, I think in 1953, regain control of uh, Dianetics because he sued the living shit out of these people. Um, and then he incorporated the Church of Scientology, I think in 53 or 54 in California, and that kind of became the, the headquarters of all the other churches. He yeah. was granted tax-exempt status in 1956. Yeah, That was well, not to last. Of course not. And uh, this is where his difficulties with the IRS come into. Right, so. protracted difficulties with the IRS, um, culminating in 1967 when the IRS stripped Scientology's church of its tax-exempt status, uh, claiming that essentially it is just a, uh, a sham. You think? <laughs> uh, I, what surprised me about this whole story is that the IRS in the 60s had balls, right? No yeah. way the IRS would do anything like this today. As a matter of well, fact, they capitulated in 1993 and granted them back their tax-exempt status. Well, I agree with you. The IRS has lost its balls. I mean, where are the days where you're going after Capone, things like that? I mean, come on, grow some balls, guys. Kick Hubbard's ass. Yeah. I mean, it was at this time where Hubbard uh, comes up with this fair game thing. Where, you know, you know that video that you and I saw where there are all these nice, the creed of Scientology, right? Yep. It's, it's so nice. Um, let me read some of these things. We of the church believe that all men of whatever race, color, or creed were created with equal rights. That all men have inalienable rights to their own religious practices and performance. Yep. Uh, inalienable rights to their own lives. Inalienable rights to their own sanity. Inalienable rights to their own defense. They have inalienable rights to conceive, choose, assist, or support their own organizations, churches, and governments. To think freely, to talk freely, to write freely their own opinions, and to counter or utter or write upon the opinions of others. Mm -hmm. Well, yep. and that's except actually, if you're declared yep, that, a suppressed person. <laughs> and, uh, I went, you know, she, they said, so, have you met an SP? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I thought, oh, what a beautiful thing, because maybe one day it'll be like that. You know what I'm saying? Maybe one day it will be that. Wow, SPs, like, they'll just read about those in the history books, you know? <laughs> yeah, they blatantly put that post up on their videos as you're watching this shit. And right, so you everything think is all sorts of happy. Yeah, they're such a nice organization. Who could ever pick on Scientologists? That sounds wonderful. Well, yeah. if you're a, an SP, a suppressed person, or a um, person who commits suppressive uh, acts, which essentially includes anything that Scientology doesn't like, such as publicly disavowing Scientology. So after this podcast, we will be declared suppressive persons. I am so looking forward to that. <laughs> and, by the way, you have to... Uh, disconnect if you're a Scientologist from suppressive persons. Otherwise, you are a potential trouble source, a PTS. Yeah, yeah. Now that is actually what's known as their uh, disconnection policy. And, same as uh, shunning for Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. Exactly yeah, the same. Yeah, and uh, it, it's this is so bad that uh, one Scientologist wrote to his fiancée uh, that what you are now doing is setting yourself against the church is not only very suppressive but also non-survival for you, your family, and any group you are associated with. So, I mean, here you have somebody in the 1980s, 1982, writing to his fiancée 
that not only is he going to use the disconnection policies, but he's also warning them that if they continue, it is due to their non-survival. So here we go with their fair attacks, just all combined into one. Right. The suppressive person, according to L. Ron Hubbard, this is December 1965, Suppressive Act, Suppression of Scientology and Scientologists, the Fair Game Law, HCOPL 23. A truly suppressive person or group, and they, this they say are the truly evil people, the 2.5% two, 2. of the population is a suppressive person. Hitler, Stalin, uh, he says Dillinger, and <laughs> really evil people. Dillinger, nice. Um, <laughs> a truly suppressive person or group has no rights of any kind as Scientologists, and actions taken against them are not punishable under Scientology ethics codes. Well, what happened to inalienable rights? Yeah. Do they understand what that word means? Of course not, because, uh, I mean, when you state that their homes, property, places, and abodes are are <laughs> all up to attack, and they are beyond any protection of Scientology ethics. Hmm, sounds to me like your ethics are as picky as, oh, just about any other religions. Yeah. Fair game. May be deprived of property or injured by any means by any Scientologist without any discipline of the Scientologist. May be tricked, sued, or lied to, or destroyed. And believe me, they carry this stuff out. Um, multiple, multiple people have come forward and say, said that they've been sued into submission. They have uh, uncovered a bunch of these documents in the, in the raid, I think in the late 70s, uh, where this stuff was laid out. Yeah, they that would... was right after the Snow White, Operation Snow White. I mean, the retards can't even come up with cool operation names. Snow White? <laughs> they would Are you harass. Their, their stated goal, according to L. Ron Hubbard and, and with, with this stuff, is that you know the the defense is untenable you don't defend anything you attack you attack with any sort of uh, means at your disposal you you don't consider war a skirmish you consider every skirmish a war and you it is a full on attack uh, no matter what that's the only way to defend yourself attack 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 you attack mm -hmm. Uh, through the courts, you use the courts to harass people because we got a bunch of money, and we if we set up enough uh, lawsuits. When the IRS settled in 1993, the um, Scientologists had, I believe, about a hundred separate lawsuits, by some by Scientology, a lot by individuals who didn't claim to be Scientologists, but they were all suddenly dropped after the. Uh, church settled with the IRS and regained their tax exempt status. Their their idea is that it's very easy to use the courts to harass people. You don't have to win the court case. You just have to bankrupt them, basically. It's not how to run from an SP. It's PTSSP, how to shatter suppression, confront shatter suppression. You apply it, it's like, boom. Because they don't come up to me and do that. Uh, they won't do it to me. Not to my face. You know, or anywhere in my vicinity where they feel they can be confronted you know, not doing it. now my whole feeling on this is with their attempts with Operation Snow White instead of granting them this status back again in the 90s they should have just bent over all Scientologists with their court cases and cornholed them in front of the judge are you shitting me now we need to go into Operation Snow White because this this is just absolutely fascinating yeah uh, operation snow white there are a bunch of other ones where they they raided the scientology offices i believe in clearwater uh florida 
yeah. in 1977, is that right? Maybe yeah, sure. 77. Yes, 77, yeah. Uh, Scientology's Operation Snow White, an elaborate plan to infiltrate various government and business offices and destroy negative or incriminating files pertaining to Scientology and or its founder. Yeah, Operation and this... PC Freakout, Operation China Shop, Project Vatican Passport, Operation Tricycle. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, this is This is the most amazing thing is this was the largest infiltration of the United States government in history. They well, had we're aware to, of. There yeah, could be larger infiltrations if they're better at it than the Scientologists. Yeah, yeah, and they had 5,000 covert agents going into all of these agencies and trying to basically pull away <laughs> any information against Ron Hubbard that he didn't like. Yeah, so so they try to infiltrate the entire government. This was found in 1977. Um, actually, I think 11 high-ranking church officials, including L. Ron Hubbard's wife, subsequently convicted of felonies and sent to prison. Yeah, yeah. Now, actually, uh, his wife, Mary Sue Hubbard, was the one that was leading the entire thing. In fact, uh, L. Ron Hubbard created something known as the Guardian's Office, and his wife was the head of that. How does someone as crazy as Hubbard find a woman that is that crazy? He was married three times, I think, at least. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen to Operation China Shop. Well, hold, hold on, hold on. Before you go there, um, I wanted to read off what offices the uh, <laughs> this Operation Snow White was uh, was infiltrating and uh, I think one of them in particular is going to have you giggling now uh, they infiltrated the IRS the Drug Enforcement Administration the US Coast Guard Intelligence Services and the National Institute of Mental Health okay that third one is a contradiction in terms <laughs> why the hell were they infiltrating the Coast Guard Intelligence Services are they trying to bring drugs across the sea I mean what the fuck I don't. I'm shocked that there is even a Coast Guard intelligence services. Uh, if there is a, an intelligence services, there's probably six people. <laughs> anyway, I found that absolutely hilarious to find the U.S. Coast Guard intelligence service on there as a potential target for the Scientologists. Yes, yes, as a potential target for Operation Snow White. I don't know what the Coast Guard was saying bad about Ron Hubbard, but they were sure going to go in there and take away that information. Uh, Operation China Shop was a project to gain control of the Clearwater Sun, which I believe is a newspaper. Op uh, project Vatican Passport, series of actions to, designed to establish legitimacy for the United Churches of Florida, which is one of the assumed names uh, used by the Scientologists when they arrived. That they're trying to hide that they're Scientologists, right? Yeah. Operation Tricycle, or Hubbard's <laughs> Guardian Office Program, Order 261175, instructs Scientologists to, quote, take control of key points of Clearwater, including the Sun and Channel 13 TV. These fuckers moved in, and they want to take over the whole town. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you even speak out about them, the, the funniest one I saw was Operation Freakout, where it's all about this woman, Cooper, who's a freelance journalist, and uh, she was researching Scientology, and uh, she was basically writing a full-length book, The Scandal of Scientology, and they were so intent 
on things that they were going to drive her nuts. They were planning on tearing her apart and driving her nuts. It just cracks me up that this would be their intent is to put her in a mental institution or jail. Uh, yeah, right. Well, it, like, fair game, right? Um, yeah, fair game. Whatever they need to do, they do. Uh, and that that's how they uh, advance and that's how they intimidate en enemies. Uh, in today's term, it would be called terrorist activities. Yeah. And yet... I can guarantee you that this is still going on, but they are just kind of keeping it under wraps. Yeah, there's a wonderful case of Lisa McPherson who, um, in 1995, was uh, held against her will in uh, one of the rooms of the Scientology headquarters in Clearwater for 17 days. Yeah. She ended up being taken to the hospital. She had bruises and abrasions uh, on her body. She lost over 30 pounds in just over two weeks. Well, the most amazing thing to me... Died. ...is... Yeah. Yeah, she died. And the autopsy found lesions consistent with insect and animal bites. What the hell were they doing in that room where they had insects and animals gnawing on this woman? Yeah, they're watching her very carefully, right? Yeah. So held against her will for 17 days, dies. I don't care if someone thinks it's hard or easy. It's either, either helping and contributing everything you can or you're not, okay? Uh, because I'm carrying my load, all right? And only that, as much as I'm carrying, I still feel like I got to do more, all right? There's still a thing of let's go. And, and like always, you know, and here again, this is like the um, Christian scientists. What do they do? They take her to the hospital far too late. Yeah, well, far that's too because they to get to good. the point where they realize, oh, shit, Scientology isn't working. Let's go find some scientists. Right. So the uh, fair game policy was really bad PR for the, the group, of, the Church of Scientology. Very bad PR. Yeah. Um, statements like... <laughs> Make enough threat or clamor to cause the enemy to quail. Always find or manufacture enough threat against them to cause them to sue for peace. Don't ever defend. Always attack. That's a HCO policy letter, 15th of August, 1960. Never fear to hurt another in a just cause. Never agree to an investigation of Scientology. Only agree to an investigation of the attackers. Start investigating them promptly for felonies or worse using their, our own professionals. Start feeding lurid blood sex crime, actual evidence on the attacker to the press. So it's our responsibility to educate, create the new reality. You know, we have that responsibility to say, hey, this is the way it should be done, because we do it this way and people are actually getting better. Well, you know what's funny is uh, one, one thing that comes to mind that was actually turned up during the Snow White incident is uh, this, this letter sent to Helen concerning a clinic he wanted to open up called the Spiritual Guidance Center. And I want to read uh, just the last few sentences. I await your reaction on the religion angle. In my opinion, we couldn't get worse public opinion than we have had or have less customers with what we've got to sell. A religious charter would be necessary in Pennsylvania or New Jersey to make it stick, but I sure could make it stick. We're treating the present time beingness. Psychotherapy treats the past and the brain. And brother, that's religion, not mental science. <laughs> 
Well, uh, he's pragmatic, if nothing else. Yeah. I think he's much like the Romans, where he's just... Uh, he just doesn't give up. Just keeps pressing forward. Um, I, you know, I forgot to mention that a U.S. federal court, 1971, ruled that Hubbard's medical claims were bogus. <laughs> <laughs> E-meter auditing could not be called scientific treatment. They um, forced them to put uh, warning stickers on all the e-meters, saying that it doesn't cure or diagnose any illness. But and they I, must put it on the bottom of the thing because I never saw it. I didn't see it either. They uh, said that it was. Um, Practicing medicine without a license, and there are a number of lawsuits against the Church of Scientology for that. Uh, and what what do they do? They respond by quote going fully religious, seeking First Amendment protection. Counselors started sporting clerical collars. Chapels were built. Franchises became missions. Fees became fixed donations, and Hubbard's comic book cosmology became sacred scriptures. He after the Operation Snow White problem, big fiasco. <laughs> Problem. That's that's the uh, understatement of the year. Hubbard kind of secluded himself. He sequestered himself and became a hermit. Uh, so this guy named David Miscavige uh, took kind of took over the reins. He was 21 years old. Um, now all these high-level people were, were accusing Hubbard of uh, stealing a bunch of money. Some claim as much as 200 million dollars from the church. Um, IRS at the same time was seeking an indictment against Hubber for tax fraud. So hmm. things are looking pretty grim. Does that sound similar to Joseph Smith at all? <laughs> uh, well, all he would need to do is run to a different state and file for bankruptcy, and we would have perfection. I think actually what he did was he hopped on his boat and started sailing around the world. Which, of course, is the way to do it, because when you're in international waters, which is three miles out, you can't be touched. Right. So, um, not a stupid man. Uh, but what happens is Hubbard dies in 86. Miscavige starts a massive purge uh, uh, of anyone he suspects of not being loyal to him. Now, yeah. that to me sounds very familiar to the purge that happened uh, when that guy took over the Jehovah's Witnesses, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The The first guy died. The second guy got in the office um, by legal trickery, kind of disbanded the board of uh, directors, took over it, and purged the whole thing. I mean, this happens all the time. Anyway, yeah. so um, what – oh, what I also didn't say is the the fair game thing publicly lasted for about a year. Uh, publicly, Hubbard said, I withdraw this. It's not a church doctrine, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but basically, privately, our people were taking it to extremes and not right. the way I wanted it to be done. Privately, it continued. Yeah, and in um, fact, I can I'll I'll place money on it that it still continues. Um, yeah, in 1991, the <laughs> there's a um, internet news group called alt.religion.scientology. Yeah, and, actually, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, immediately they they tried to get that shut down, and again. You know, you can always tell people when you're trying to shut down information, and I believe Scientology has a policy against higher education. Uh, they don't want you, again, seeking the mysteries. They want to disconnect from everyone, shun everyone who speaks bad about Scientology. So you only get your information from approved sources. Again and again and again, we see this. Yeah. Um, if you're afraid of the truth, you take actions, the same actions every time, to shut down your membership's access to the truth. Trust and that's us, exactly guys. Right. Trust Basically, us. Basically, you were telling them 
that the rest of the world is feeding you anti-propaganda. Right. And because of this, you should only trust what we are saying, only read what we are saying, do not go anywhere else. And this is the same Seventh-day Adventists, Mormonism, Scientology, it's the same across the board. Even the Catholics are saying, well, you know, you probably shouldn't go for a higher education. Right. <laughs> there is no reason, unless you're afraid of what these people are going to find, to tell someone not to get a higher education. You're essentially yeah. telling them, don't make more money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, lead the mediocre life for the rest right. of your life. Right. So anyway, um, they really try to shut this thing down. Um, the Internet, essentially, as it was at the time, uh, revolted, and uh, that kind of really has never died down. There's a f group called, they call themselves Anonymous or Anon, um, yeah. from some of the bigger uh, tech geek forums like 4chan or uh, you know that sort of thing, and they orchestrated uh, distributed denial of service attacks, DDoSs against Scientology. <laughs> it worked <laughs> for like a month. They kept it down. Um, now they kind of advocate, you know, legal, nonviolent sort of protests against it. But uh, um, you know, again, it's, they've kind of declared war. They want to get Scientology off the internet. What you think? This is just craziness. And the funny thing is, is they sell it to you as this nice, kosher, everything is perfect, everything is sublime sort of religion. But if you do even st a little bit of research, scratch the surface, your eyebrow starts raising higher and higher. Right. What L. Ron Hubbard essentially did was um, verified uh, P.T. Barnum's maxim that you will never go broke uh, underestimating the general public. <laughs> <laughs> and that's completely true. I mean, look what Hubbard himself has to say. Technique 88. The only way you can control people is to lie to them. Because the second you start telling anybody close to the truth, you start releasing him, and he gets tougher and tougher to control. Well, my favorite is auditing process R245. Oh, really? Well, hit me. This, according to L. Ron Hubbard in The Creation of Human Ability, is an enormously effective process for exteriorization, but its use is frowned upon by this society at this time. So, a little strange, right? I don't quite know yeah. what he means by exteriorization. That's a little strange, Exteriorization yeah. is the state of the Thetan, the individual himself, being outside the body. Um, now, in a uh, lecture uh, given um, by L. Ron Hubbard, and I believe this is on tape, I think in 1952. Uh, he says, in plain language, it means that someone can be released from their body by shooting them with a Colt 45. That's why it's called R245, uh, which Ron proceeded to demonstrate by firing a revolver into the floor of the podium. What the fuck? So it's advocating murder. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, this dude was much bigger crackpot than I thought. Well, um, in the uh, City of Clearwater Commission hearings, 1982, the preliminary report, um, it, it says that uh, despite the general exposure of many Scientology practice policies and attacks in the media over the past several years, resulting primarily from the FBI's seizure of documents from Scientology headquarters, there exists in Hubbard's twisted mind and writings a little-known policy called R245. 
in the book The Creation of Human Ability, written by Hubbard, distributed by the Church. The following quote appears, and I just gave it to you, enormously effective process for exteriorization. Um, exteriorization in Scientology policy is death. The per policy refers to shooting a person in the head. Uh, in a short internal Scientology memorandum called Racket Exposed, Hubbard attacks a number of individuals, subjects them to the fair game doctrine, and states as follows. Any C organization member contacting any of them is to use auditing process R245. Well, I got to tell you, at least he knows his weapons. A 45 would do a mighty mess against the head. So, you know, again, I thought everyone had an inalienable right to life. Well, that that is until you piss off Hubbard. Yeah, right. It's the same thing Joseph oh. Smith, right? You you can't say you can't speak bad of the brethren or the prophets or the apostles or the people who are called of God. That's yeah. like the biggest sin you can do. Well, All right. Of That's the history of Scientology. You can just see the look in their eyes. You know the ones that are doing, you know, and you know the spectators who are the ones that are going, well, it's easy for you or what am I doing? And it's just that thing is uh, I've canceled that in my area. <laughs> it's like, man, you're either in or you're out. That spectatorism, and it's something that, that is, we have no time for it now. And please, for the love of God, don't make us look into it again. <laughs> Leighton and I actually went to a Scientology church. Leighton had a personality test done. How did that go? <laughs> well, see, actually, both of us had a personality test done. And uh, basically, what was it, 200 questions? And uh, they, they slapped down this little thing in front of us. And now Charlie, he decided to mess with the test in his own way, and I was messing with the test in my own way. See, Charlie's way of doing it was uh, every time they would give him some response like, do you feel comfortable speaking in front of a crowd, he would mark yes. And then when they would ask it in a different way, does speaking in front of a crowd bother you, he would, <laughs> he would mark yes. And so he would kind of screw no. it up. Wait, wait, did I say that backwards? Yeah, I would say no. They, they, through this list of questions, they would ask five or six of them in two different ways. Exactly yeah. the same question. One of them, I would say yes. The other, I'd say no. Now, I didn't get my grade on it, um, and that, that may be why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they we, spotted me. We had our theories on that, that maybe they have some sort of ticker in there that'll spot you, and then you'll be thrown out. Now, me, I played it a different route. I made sure to answer all of the questions positively. So uh, every time these five or six questions, asking the same thing would come up, I would always answer in the affirmation, basically selling myself on this uh, this personality test. Now, yeah, the, the personality the, test, by the way, I think was developed by L. Ron Hubbard. And uh, it's not difficult to spot what they're looking for, right? No. Um, you know, it said, do you ever say things that you later regret? Uh, yeah. No, I don't. I never say that. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, does public speaking frighten you? No. Um, are you ever mean to animals? You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's and, not hard to, to answer 100% correctly to these things. No, it isn't. And the funniest thing is, the guy comes down with my uh, personality printout, 
and uh, we should probably just post this on the site. It's absolutely hilarious because he he pulls me back in this back room, basically taking me away from Charlie and his bad influence. And he shows me my test. Of course, it's this little bar graph, and uh, it's all up in the positives. And he says to me, I do hundreds of these tests. And he's like, very seldom. He's like, in fact, you are probably the only one I've ever seen where every single one of these is not only in the positive, but very high in the positive. He's like, you must be very, very in touch and in control. But he's like... All of these, just so you know, are for your own imp- interpretation. So, as they are all in the positive, if you are okay with all of them being in the positive, then that is up to you for interpretation. Really? So he's intimating that maybe you should take some auditing sessions and get some into the negative? Why? That's exactly what his, he was intimating. <laughs> because as he was going through, it was talking about, you know... Uh, uh, my uh, my ability to speak with others, my ability to be alone, my perseverance, so on and so forth. And uh, w- when it had my exercise, it had this explosion-type cloud right there. <laughs> and uh, I pointed at it on, on the graph. I'm like, uh, what exactly does that mean? And he's like, well, what that means is that you are using exercise to bury your other emotions. He's like, now, this is kind of strange to see since you are so high in everything. But he's like, normally what you see is if someone is having problems with themselves or with people, they'll have a huge spike right here because they bury everything in exercise. And so I look at him, I'm like, well, what does that mean for me? He's like, that may just be a glitch in the computer. Um, as far as I can see, you're very healthy, uh, mind and spirit. But, you know, uh, that is completely up to interpretation and yours in particular. <laughs> yeah, what if I just exercise because I like to be healthy? Yeah, well, that can't be. It's got to have the little explosion cloud around it. Right. Well, While Leighton was getting his little personality read, I was left uh, subjected to this stupid Scientology propaganda video. Um, so I ignored that and went to this massive wall of L. Ron Hubbard writings and talks and lecture series and I got to this point where I pointed this out to the guy, and you know the guy seems sincere enough. He seems like he actually believes in this shit. Yeah. Um, he came out and asked me, you know, how I was doing. I said I'm fine, but I notice here it says L. Ron Hubbard uh, discussed um, this whole track idea where uh, he lays out your life or the 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 big problems that have happened over the past 76 trillion years. <laughs> I said, isn't the universe only 15 billion years old? And the guy said, it says what it says. Yeah. Well, see, the amazing thing is, is the, these guys uh, talk about propaganda. So after, after he goes through this personality test with me, he says, so what do you know about Scientology? And of course I lied to him and I said, you know what, I don't like to go to other resources to find out information. They could be biased. I would rather come and visit with people personally and find out what is going on. And so I said to him, I'm like, please explain to me what Scientology is all about. And so, of course, he he gave me the, the whole concept of the Thetan within us, basically trapped within us watching these moving pictures of our memories. And then he started talking about the machine, the E-gram machine. That's what it was called, right? Uh, the E-meter. E-meter, excuse me, the E-meter. And he starts talking about how he himself is training to be an auditor and how he has 
changed people's lives by taking them back through these memory things. And of course, me, loving electronics, I kept showing an interest on this e-meter. I kept bringing it up, I kept asking him how it works, so on and so forth. Well, finally he gets to it, and he's, he, he finally stops my questions and says, you know what, what you need to learn is in this Dianetics book. And he pulls out the book and goes to hand it to me, and so I look at him, and the first question out of my mouth is, are you giving this to me for free, or am I going to have to purchase this on my way out? <laughs> and <laughs> he says to me, he's like, well, these are not free. You will have to purchase it. And so, of course, I lie and say, well, I don't have my wallet on me. Would it be all right if I just went and picked this up? And for five minutes, he hoed, hummed, and hawed over how it's possible for me to pick it up at the library, but I, I may not be guaranteed, so it might be better if I came back and purchased one of these. Nice. Uh, when we pointed out and asked if there were any differences between the first edition and the later editions, and his response was that there are differences because editors kept out a lot of what Hubbard wanted to print, and so they have since gone back and actually placed in all of Hubbard's thoughts. And of course, I'm sitting there just chuckling to myself going, oh really, so basically you've gone back and changed out the things you didn't like. It's the same thing as a Mormon's claim for the Book of Mormon. They make changes and people get up in arms because, you know, this is the word of God, right? Yep. Uh, through a prophet. And, uh, <laughs> they say, we're just trying to bring it more in line with the original. Yeah, whatever. You're offended by it. Yeah. yeah. I did read this nice thing in, in the um, <laughs> in the big L. Ron Hubbard wall. Technique 88. I have no idea what 88 is, but he said it was called 88 because it's two infinities on its side. Technique 88 is the most hyperbolical. This is L. Ron Hubbard. Most hyperbolical, effervescent, dramatic, unexaggeratable, high-flown, superlative, grandiose, colossal, and magnificent technique which the mind of man could conceivably embrace. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Charlie, you realize the quote I took, Technique 88, was that you control people by lying to them, right? That was it? That's Technique 88. Wow. I don't think that's <laughs> unexaggeratable. Yeah, that that's not too mind blowing in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, we've known that for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so um, he comes back and and Layton's really interested in the e meter, and so the guy doesn't really want to do it for free. <laughs> Did you no. catch that? He oh, wanted no. you to pay for a session. Oh yeah, yeah. I I noticed that as he was uh, kind of showing it to me. He wasn't exactly planning on actually demonstrating it, but uh, I. We'll just call it mine and Charlie's persuasiveness forced him to plug the thing in and actually have me grab it. Basically, Leighton sucked his dick. Let's just not mince yeah. words. Yeah. Well, um, I did get the reach around, so it wasn't all just on his side. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> actually, truth be told, I think the reason why he finally slapped it down is because, Charlie, you are not uh, very good at acting, and it was obvious you were being critical of everything on that board. <laughs> that, was so, my, that was my role. That's what I was acting. I was acting like yeah. a skeptic. So basically you were being yourself. I thought I was doing a really good job. That the Acting does not mean you get to be yourself, <laughs> <laughs> I want to know that 
I've done everything I could uh, every day. And I think about those people out there who are depending on us. And uh, I think about that. And it does make me feel uh, like, man, I there's, you know, we got more work. I need more help. You know, get those spectators either in the playing field or out of the arena. You know, <laughs> that's how I really, that's how I feel about it. At any rate, so this guy slaps down this machine. He he plugs in these two little metal handhold things, and uh, we're not kidding you. This thing looked like it was straight from the 1950s. Seriously, and, it was like analog knobs and needles waving back and forth. Yeah, this is basically an analog meter that I played with while I was in electronic school. That's all. And so he plugs it in, and as he's describing it to me, he's describing it wrong. Because he's sitting there going, as I turn this meter up, it changes the resistance in the machine, so watch the meter. And, of course, I'm sitting there thinking, no, what it's doing is measuring the resistance in me. So when you turn that, you are increasing and decreasing the current that is passing through me. And so, I mean, the dude couldn't even describe the machine's operation properly. No, you just couldn't understand. Oh. oh, This is L. Ron Hubbard's invention, man. Ah, I I understand entirely now. I am not in line with dipshittery quite yet. Yeah, well, you don't know how many thetans or body thetans are attached to you and deceiving you about the nature of the machine. Well, maybe that was my problem, because when he neutraled out the machine, and then he tried to make me think about uh, past experiences so he could show that the meter would jump on these... Instead of thinking of past experiences, I started fucking around with the machine. <laughs> yeah, I see, st- that's where we differ. I probably would have tried to think of something bad to see if the needle jumped up. Because as he described it, when you think of bad things, your mental mass or mental charge increases, thereby increasing the resistance, and it pops the needle up. And I thought, bullshit. But there's yeah. Leighton, like, squeezing his muscles. <laughs> <laughs> And that's exactly what I did. He would sit there, and he, like, brought up women. And he says, I want you to think of a woman. And so I would flex both my calves, and this machine would jump way up, and he'd be like, whoa, look at the reaction you just had to that. Who were you thinking of? And so I said, Woody, my cousin. (laughs) (laughs) Which, mind you, was very entertaining to watch the reaction on his face, but... But it's hilarious because I was sitting there fucking with this machine and I took this very deep breath and the machine pegged itself. And I kind of looked at him and he, of course, saw the skepticism in my eye. And he's like, oh, yeah, also this machine is a way to make sure that your metabolism is in line because it measures your breaths and, uh, and your movements. So basically, you have to sit there completely still. You can't flex a muscle. You can't breathe in order to get a proper reading out of this machine. Yeah, I mean, it was clear bullshit. Um, uh, He, at one point, says, Leighton, um, can I have your permission to pinch your arm? My hand. He pinched my hand. And so Leighton says, sure, why not? And so he pinches it, and it increases, and the needle goes up, right? And so he goes, now think about it. And the needle went back up, almost to the same part that it, it did before, right? And he goes, okay, now think about it again. And then it went up a little bit lower than that. And so he's like, oh, see, good. That That's what, you know, it ought to get lower and lower because he's showing us how you erase engrams when you look at them, right? And then yeah. he goes, okay, now think of it again. And the needle goes all the way across. 
<laughs> Leighton's over there breathing in and out or flexing his calves or something. Actually, what I was doing at that point is <laughs> I had flexed both calves, and so I thought, all right, he wants me to think about it, so I flexed one calf and watched the reaction <laughs> in the machine. Then I flexed the other calf. And then when he says, okay, so you see that's decreasing, now I, w I want you to uh, think about it again, I flex both calves and peg the machine out just to fuck yeah. with him. Yeah, he was getting a little frustrated after that because, I mean, it was clear that it wasn't working. But, of course, Leighton was fouling up the results. It probably would have worked had he not been screwing up with the results. And had I not been breathing, moving, uh, <laughs> how are you possibly able to get results if your breathing fucks with it? <laughs> so, basically, it was a wasted uh, two hours, I think, we spent there. Yeah, yeah, it was two hours to get this uh, this uh, personality test and to finally get me to touch the e-machine. Yeah. All right. Um, that's Scientology. Um, I, my God, it was um, honestly this is this is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Uh, at yeah. least Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, Seventh Day Adventists. At least they reach back into some sort of established canon of, of scripture and they may reinterpret it or something like that. Scientology is just shit that someone has pulled out of their ass. He's eaten a bunch of burritos and chili, made this nasty, stinky <laughs> log of shit, yanked it out, and he's L. Ron Hubbard is holding it out to you and telling you, take a big ol' sniff of this and give yeah. me money. And not only that, but the claim that this is the only major religion to rise within this last century. That is their claim, and that is what they use to prove that it is worth looking into. I'll tell you what it does prove. It proves that there is nothing so stupid that millions of people won't believe it. Yep. Never underestimate the stupidity of people in large groups. You'll never, you'll never go broke by doing it. That's why America works so well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you anti-American son of a bitch. I'm going to sick the Christians on your ass. Oh, Lord. All right. That winds this episode up. How about next week? Next week, I cannot wait. We will have Leighton's older brother, Sean, coming on to the show to chastise us for not showing proper respect for uh, other people's beliefs. And I myself will be in a kneeling position waiting for God to come down and cornhole my ass to get me to repent. Yes, this is going to be fascinating. I hope, Leighton, you can show proper respect to uh, your older brother next week. Yeah, the proper respect is going to be difficult as I'm trying not to curse every other word. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's impressive to me that he has the balls to come on the show in the first place. It ought to make for a really interesting show. Well, that's that's either brave of him or absolutely stupid. I guess we'll find out next week. There's a fine line. See yeah. you next week. <laughs> Thank you.